Millions of frontline workers keep our economy running and are provided with the latest technology to do their jobs. But digital adoption, especially by frontline workers, is really hard. This is Frontline Innovators. We explore how to overcome challenges and achieve success when we empower our essential workers. I'm Justin Lake. And I'm Gene Signorini. Together, we speak with experts who are leading the way and driving digital transformation to the front line. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful on a mission to help frontline workers learn and use the technology needed to succeed in their jobs. Welcome to the Frontline Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Gene Signorini, and I'm excited for today's episode. Today's guest is a leading advocate for helping frontline workers grasp mobile technology. He's passionate about the frontline workforce and the customers he serves. A dedicated employee and brand ambassador, he currently serves as vice president of the strategic mobility team at Panasonic. I'm pleased to welcome Mike Smola to the program. Mike, glad to have you on the show. Thank you, Gene. Great to be here. Excited for the conversation. Mike, we like to kick off this show, um, as we always do, with asking a, a key question facing the deskless and, and frontline workforce. In your perspective, what's the biggest challenge facing frontline workers today? Great question, Gene. Uh, to me, it's productivity, uh, enabling productivity uh, at the end user level. And again, I want to kind of build that up around what Panasonic does. Uh, we are a rugged mobility manufacturer. We create products that really enable our customers to be as productive as they can be, predominantly outside the four walls. Our customers today uh, are the police officers in a car, uh, utility workers in a truck, uh, firemen, ambulance drivers, uh, delivery folks. So they have to be productive in their place of work. And it's really that technology that enables that. And that's how Panasonic has built our product to be rugged, durable, and efficient. So to that challenge, it's enabling them to be productive in the environments within, within they work. Uh, and we do that through our engineering expertise. We do that by enablement of a product that has best uh, wireless efficiency uh, through antenna infrastructure to enable constant connection, uh, rugged durability that enables them to work when accidents happen, uh, when they're in a tough environment where there's dust, rain, drops, spills. Uh, our product withstands that environment, enables them to keep working. And, and that's many of the challenges in the environment we face today where we have to keep working no matter what the consequence of our environmental impacts uh, what's going on around us uh, to enable that efficiency. Mike, I, I think you hit on something that perhaps most people don't appreciate when we talk about frontline workers. And and again, maybe I'm guilty of it. We, we tend to kind of group them all together, right? Frontline workers. And yet many of these individuals or roles have very different experiences when they're out in the field, outside the four walls, as you as expressed it. Are there common challenges though that you're seeing that cut across, whether it's a police officer in the field or utility worker, are there other common challenges for them from being productive, as you mentioned it, as that big challenge? Yeah, I think there are. I think, yeah, again, the high diversity of the different use cases, uh, you know, the common challenges we all face are how well does your product work? Uh, is it visible? Is it loud enough? Is it easy to interoperate? 
uh, be it from the, the buttons and the keys that you're pushing uh, to the visibility of the screen in heavy daylight or dust or, or nighttime using. So there is a definitely a common thread built across all the different products. And I think it's, it exists across the different verticals with which uh, you described. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing we, we need to be sensitive to when we're talking about this, these workers in particular is the fact that they don't really have, I don't mean the personal tolerance, but their jobs don't give them the tolerance level for some things as consumers, we may get frustrated with, right? But we can sit there and kind of struggle through or, or figure it out. But many cases, these these workers don't have that luxury. Is that is that what you're seeing as well? Uh, absolutely. Uh, when you're outside the four walls, uh, when you're away from uh, the corporate building, you don't have that lifeline. You don't have the ability to go ask for tech support down the hall or to swap out your device. So, you know, as we see it, uh, when you're out in the field and in the perspective of a utility worker, they're outside working on a house, uh, trying to build power back up. Uh, when their machine breaks, they lose connectivity, they lose critical data to do their job and their job is done. Uh, they have to drive back to their facility, grab another device, and that's ours. And, and that impacts customer satisfaction, profitability, time it takes to, to complete your job. So yeah, they're, they're on their own, they're on an island and dependability of that device they're using is critical to the success of their job. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about Panasonic. I know, I'm sure everyone who's listening is familiar with the name Panasonic. It's a massive global brand that's been around for decades and decades. Um, and there's probably a lot of people who are familiar with the, the brand Toughbook, um, which has also been around um, for a long time. But obviously, I think you guys are doing a lot more than just what we've traditionally thought about um, Panasonic Toughbook. Talk a little bit about the strategic mobility team. Talk a little about what you and your team do to kind of help your customers navigate through some of these challenges. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, definitely Panasonic, uh, over 100 years old. Uh, We've been around uh, in the environments of technology forever and ever. And uh, funny thing, uh, when people think of Panasonic, and we still get this question on a daily basis, is do you still make TVs and <laughs> VCRs and microwaves? And uh, yes to most of those, but uh, we do so much more. Uh, we really built out a strong mobility product, uh, and uh, you know it it really is potential has really penetrated so many different environments. Uh, so back to what my team does. So a strategic mobility team, it's a newer organization within our mobility work te or team. Uh, our team really focuses on four major things. Uh, that is product, uh, solution development, business development, uh, and pro-service warranty deployment. So we, we do a lot of things. Uh, we really focus on enablement of our product. And when we look at our business, the Toughbook is the center of our, our business. Uh, we promote that as our core product, but it's really enabling that ecosystem that sets around that product that enables its usability in the field. And, and that's a key focus of where we're looking today is how do we expand that? How do we improve the use of that device, making it more efficient, making it more valuable uh, and more productive in those environments? So. We're looking at uh, key solutions uh, around managed services, uh, deployment, asset management, 
uh, how do we maintain that device to really withstand the long life cycle of use uh, within our products? So excited about our, our new team and how we're really working uh, to really build out that ecosystem to drive customer value. Yeah, and the ecosystem part is is obviously um, something that I've given a lot of thought thought to. Um, you know, when we talk about these these mobility deployments, when we talk about these specific use cases, like you said, the the device for you guys, especially right, is at at the center of it, and it's often, you know, that that worker's only connection, right, to the world. As you said, they're on an island, but there's so much more that goes into that. Um, can you talk about how your team kind of helps kind of look at that environment kind of from a holistic standpoint and helps your customers kind of pull all that stuff together so that way we can effectively drive that productivity down to that frontline worker level? Yeah, absolutely. And in develop of any product and any service is critical to understand the use case uh, and where the product is being used. And that's where we really want to focus on voice of the customer, take a walk in their shoes, understand what they're doing, what activities they need to complete on a daily basis. So we can build our product to support that. Technology is more critical than ever. Uh, there, there's not many jobs left in this world that don't have technology involved. So it's bringing that data, that visibility to the fingertips of our end users and doing that through a rugged device. So that is what we're looking at. Uh, we're trying to look at the ecosystems and when we think about just the product. Uh, the product is great. It's the vehicle with which we operate, but it's the ergonomics of that device. How is it being carried? How is it being deployed? Uh, is there a charging cable or accessory or a software that makes it more productive? Uh, or a, a mobile mount, uh, devices that allow it to be situated within a vehicle to enable that consumption. So all of this kind of sets around the ecosystem of that product to make it more usable. And back to one of the key challenge points we talked about is productivity. Each part of this ecosystem really drives the productivity use of that product, again, to enable efficiency within the product or environment where that end customer or end user is really operating their daily job. You mentioned this concept of the voice of the, of the customer. And I, and I love that. And I know that there's different ways we can think about it. We can think about the voice of the customer with the big C, which is the big corporation that we're supporting. And then there's the voice of ultimately the end user, right? Who are the, the frontline uh, workers who are, you know, carrying around your devices and using all the technology that's brought together on those devices. What are you what are you hearing from those the field workers, frontline workers when it comes to technology and technology change? Are you seeing a greater acceptance of technology, embracing of technology? Or is there hesitancy out there uh, as new technology is introduced? Yeah, another great question. And you know, I really kind of separate that into two different buckets. Uh, you know, they're the longtime users of technology in the business. Uh, people my age that have been around for a few years. Uh, and to us, it's an operational efficiency. Uh, but the millennials, it's an expectation. It's a requirement. They're used to smaller devices and communicating consistently through texts, IMs, emails. 
So it really is impacting to all. Uh, the adoption is ever increasing. Uh, I think we've seen that from the market, uh, from the impacts of the pandemic. The consumption of, of data is moving at such a rapid pace right now uh, with newer generations coming into the workforce. Uh, it's a requirement. Uh, it has to be there. It has to work. has to be in that right format to enable them to do their job. Uh, and it's something that's only going to increase uh, year after year and younger generations that are born with technology in their hands versus those of us like myself who didn't get it until we were in our late 20s. Well, and I imagine it's it's especially important now that all those things you just talked about, particularly with the generational shift, is especially important today with two factors, right? One is, I think you alluded to it, which is kind of an aging workforce in, in many of these sectors, right? People who've been on the job for 20, 30 years, and at some point are going to be retiring, and we need to to bring on that next generation workforce. At the same time, we don't necessarily have, a, you know, a, a huge selection of workers to kind of choose from to fill these roles these days. Um, how is technology playing a part in in easing that challenge in some ways? Do you think it has a role in making it easier for us to make that generational shift to bring new users up to speed more quickly? What, have you heard anything like that from, from your customers? Absolutely. Uh, it's that visibility uh, and enablement at the job place. And it's the training. Uh, it's understanding, again, how they can quickly integrate into their job uh, have that constant visibility, constant feedback, direction, uh, and the resources, all that's set on side that you know, technology device that really gives them enablement. And it's, it's the expectation. Uh, again, back to the, the younger workforce, you know, they, they've grown up with technology and they believe that you should have immediate access to this data at every point uh, within their life or within the job. Uh, from endpoint to endpoint. So it's absolutely critical. Do you think that customers are keeping, I mean, it's interesting you talk about that um, because, you know, there's, I think there's been a notion that sometimes technology is pushed down to the workforce and they've been reluctant maybe to accept it. But I think your perspective offers a, a very interesting one in that you're saying there's much more of a pull coming from the workforce for this technology. Are, are the organizations able to kind of keep pace with that? And if not, what are the things that are preventing them from keeping pace with that, the need to kind of continue to empower these, these workers who have that expectation? Yeah, I think that the biggest example of that is what we've all um, experienced in the last 18 months with uh, the pandemic. Uh, it has driven companies to really invest heavily into that edge-based computing requirement. Things changed overnight. You know, the four walls closed down or the businesses had to close down and they had to rethink how they did business. And part of that was that push down of technology to the edge, enabling their workforce to do things differently from supporting online orders versus stocking a shelf, uh, being able to do curbside delivery, uh, again, versus picking off a shelf and enabling that delivery component. So heavy impacts to our supply chain and retail environments have really accelerated. And I think we've all heard this uh, being said, you know, in the marketplace that 
technology advanced probably three years, or at least the deployment of technology advanced almost three years in the last 18 months, uh, just because of that push for sustainability. And it was sustainability, customer support, and having an adoptive frontline workforce that needed that to complete their job. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny, you know, people have been talking about the concept of future of work for, I think for years, it's become kind of a buzz term. And I, and I think it, it has certainly risen again to the forefront in a post pandemic world, right? Which is, well, what does it look like now? Um, but to your point, I think a lot of it has already started in many ways. Um, but what, what do you see um, from a future of work perspective? What are your customers kind of thinking about and struggling with, particularly as it relates to the frontline workforce? I think a lot of us can, you know, can project what that may look like for, you know, quote unquote, knowledge workers, folks like your, yourself and I, and I who, you know, sit in front of a computer quite a bit and can work from our homes and all that. But what are the implications for the frontline workforce from a future of work perspective? Yeah, um, I think it's an exciting time for the frontline workforce. Uh, the infrastructure that we have, and we hear a lot of the terms IoT, edge-based computing. At this time, uh, with the creative applications that are being built, the insight that they have to do their job is changing dramatically. You know, we're seeing with the implementation of 5G, uh, there's different types of data components that are coming in that enables better visibility at the edge. So, you know, without going into to major in depth, but, you know, just looking at it from, let's say a utility perspective, you know, before there was work orders that were generated on your device that enabled you to go out and complete your job, uh, but you didn't have access to all, a lot of the, the CAD, you know, the really the insight into the infrastructure with which you're working on. They're large files. Uh, you know, most of them were stationary. They were on your device. They, they were aged. Now we have that ability to push large files that can be updated and digitally presented on the device to give them the most up-to-date insight into the infrastructure with, with, with which they're working. Uh, AI is another thing. Using this artificial intelligence where they can do pre-visualization of the infrastructure that they're working on. So 5G and the Enablement of high data throughput uh, being pushed wirelessly or from the cloud really gives them tremendous insight and better functionality to do their job. Uh, and it sets well on our devices, you know, with the coordination that we do with the major carriers and having built a device that's set to really accelerate on in a wireless network, having core access to this data information enables you to do so much more. Uh, and you can do as much in your truck uh, as you could in a, in a lab or in front of a workstation 10 years ago. Uh, it's just that much more information available. Well, and I imagine in many ways, you know, what you're talking about is a redefinition of these jobs and these roles in a lot of ways. Um, and it's actually a theme that's come up on a few conversations we've had on the, on the podcast. And, and I always say, you know, we tend to categorize you know, um, deskless workers or frontline workers in, in one bucket and knowledge workers in another. And I was just guilty of it a few minutes ago, right? Which is knowledge workers, somebody who, you know, sits at a desk or is using a, a laptop and can work from anywhere, right? But they're considered a knowledge worker. Um, 
but it sounds, you know, from what you're describing that really, you know, Odessa's worker is increasingly, or frontline workers are increasingly become knowledge workers. And therefore that kind of changes the profile of what we had traditionally thought about those roles. I agree. Uh, and that, you know, back to the amount of information being delivered, it enables these frontline workers to make critical decisions based on more information provided at the site of the job. So it, it, it's empowering and it is bringing that knowledge to the edge. Yeah. And I want to go back to something you talked about a few minutes ago, which is this concept of, you know, the voice of the customer and kind of walking in their shoes a bit. And especially in, in, in context of, okay, these roles are going to be changing. We're asking them now to make critical decisions, you know, at the point of need, right. Um, where they are and, and when they are, how can you, you know, describe a little bit more about the tactics used to, to gain that voice of the customer. I mean, how do you help your cust? I know Panasonic kind of lives that mantra, right? How do you help your customers live that mantra as well? Yeah. So good question. Um, you know, Panasonic was built on voice of the customer. You know, our first device really came from a customer's idea. And, you know, they pr proposed a concept to us uh, to enable a product to enable to take technology outside the four walls. And, and we've lived by that key mantra of voice of the customer. So when we look at our new product development, uh, as we're designing it, we're listening to them for that feedback. What is important to them? Is it uh, weight? Is it visibility? Is it enabling your device to be options? You know, we released uh, what's called X-Packs on a CF55. And that is the enablement to, to have plug and play ports. So I can take a device and instead of having to sending it in to a, a repair facility or a rework facility to have ports enabled on it, I can do this at the end user level. I can plug and play different modular devices within this unit to make it more adaptable to the workplace. So it's these key initiatives that we hear from our customer that really enable us to drive and push technology to, to, to deliver what they're asking for. So it, it's absolutely critical in our success and our enablement and sustainability of Toughbook within the workforce at the front line. Yeah, and I know your your team spends a lot of time in the field as well with the actual end users, correct? I mean, I know in our previous conversation, you had talked about, you know, the observation of utility worker, for example, and all the other things that go into their job. We tend to think about it as, you know, technology from the technology lens, right? But technology is just one tool, quite literally, in their toolbox, and it's got to work with everything else that they do. Right. And it really, another example of what you said, the voice of the customer and taking a walk in your customer's shoes. So we, we encourage our sales team uh, to really be consultative in nature, to understand, to do ride-alongs, to, to set with that knowledge worker, that user of that device for a day, understand what their challenges are. When they're driving across town, where are they getting droppage in coverage? Uh, or when they get into a customer's site, what are the limitations that the device may lend to or may prevent them from doing their job? Seeing that firsthand enables us to correct it and, and to make that change and to make improvements in our devices to, again, make them more productive, to make that product more enabled uh, and more efficient within their workflow. Yeah, I absolutely think that's important. One of our, um, one of our uh, key uh, UX designers at Skillful 
uh, on our team, Matthew, has spent a lot of time out in the field with um, some of our customers and, and, and not even customers, but just to observe and understand how frontline workers are doing their job. And I remember he got a shock one day. He was going on a ride along with a beverage delivery person who, you know, spending a lot of time inside a, a beverage cooler. Right. So, and things that we don't think about, right. That this guy's wearing gloves and a, and a winter hat in the middle of summer, because that's how he does his job. And that's where he spends most of his time. And it's, I think those observations, as you said, Mike, that lead to not only a better product, but a better outcome from a solution standpoint for, for uh, these end users and the, and the, and the, and their companies themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's a true differentiation of Toughbook. You know, we live in a world where technology is everywhere. Uh, you know, there's consumer grade, there's rugged grade. And, you know, we build for the front line. We build for environments with which our customers work within. As you just mentioned, it could be from cold to hot, hot to cold. All things are not created equal. And when we design our product, we design it to withstand high temperature degree, low temperature degree, and actually the movement between. And something we don't think about, I mean, we think of a, a computing device in a vehicle. And if you just so happen to be working in Phoenix, Arizona in the summertime, uh, we all know that when you get in your vehicle, it's about 180 degrees. Uh, and then you quickly turn on the AC and it quickly goes to 70 degrees. But that high degree temperature shift has a heavy impact on plastics and computing devices. And we're built to, you know, to sustain that. Yeah. And, and that same customer may have workers that are in Phoenix or in, you know, in Minnesota in the winter. Right. So um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's doing the same job, but in very different conditions. Exactly. And that's, you know, back to the challenge that's enabling that product productivity, irregardless of the environment with, with which you're in. And that's where Panasonic really shines most. We enable that worker to be productive, whether it be in the snow or in the sand, uh, in the rain or wherever they may be, they can do this with our technology, the way it's engineered to be sustainable uh, and completely efficient and enable that productive productivity back to the customer. Yeah. So Mike, one of the things we also like to, to talk about on this show a little bit is just that kind of journey toward being an innovator um, in your organization. You know, we have a lot of people who listen to the program who are trying to drive innovation in organizations, or they're really trying to learn how to become somebody who can drive innovation in organizations. I'd love to kind of get, you know, a, a little sense of how you kind of landed where you are today. And I've got to kind of kick this off a little bit because you've got an unusual background for somebody in your position, or, or at least I think might be an unusual background, uh, which is you've got a master's of public health in epidemiology and you did your undergraduate in biology. You're probably one of the few people who can not only talk about what the future of work is uh, post pandemic, but can probably talk with a little bit of expertise on, on actually how viruses actually work. So, um, <laughs> Uh, that doesn't seem to, to be the, uh, the, the, the background people think about when they think about somebody who's running a strategic mobility practice over at, at Panasonic. So how did you get to where you are? What have you learned along the way? Uh, fun question. And, you know, it, I'm a perfect example of how paths can diverge uh, through your life. And uh, like you said, you know, I, I left graduate school with a degree in epidemiology, full planning to go into the health field. And uh, 
within my pathways, I went uh, actually moved to St. Louis, uh, took an opportunity to work on the genome project. If many of you know that from the 90s where they're doing the DNA mapping and, you know, quickly found that working in a lab was not what I was looking forward to. It was work in a lab and continue down the PhD route or do something else. And had a tremendous opportunity uh, back in the early 90s. I, you know, I took a job at a, a local retail software dealer. And you know, unbeknownst to me, this dealer was about to explode. Uh, it was, this was the birthplace of corporate licensing. And this particular you know, owner of this organization really doubled down and became one of the first resellers in uh, the Midwest, uh, one of the first large account resellers for Microsoft. And I was able to be there on the ground floor and it just, it exploded. And, you know, with that opportunity, uh, I quickly forgot about uh, science and technology and really took the opportunity to really dive into technology. Uh, 13 years uh, of a lot of hard work and a lot of opportunities to, to see the evolution of licensing and hardware and the deployment within large corporate entities uh, was a great experience. And, uh, you know, it's funny when I look back in my life and of all the people I've explained that I did my master's in epidemiology, it was always a 10 minute to 20 minute conversation explaining what epidemiology <laughs> is. Uh, and now, and now everybody knows. Now, everybody, now knows. everybody knows. And it's an unfortunate consequence, but it is, it is an amazing field. Uh, it is very technical and very centric to, to biostatistics, understanding about the propagation of disease, how it's transferred. Sadly, you know, key words we hear every day on the news. And uh, it was a great part of my life, but uh, I found my true love. Uh, it's technology and that enablement to, to bring that efficiency back to the customers and uh, look back on it fondly and, and excited about where technology is going. It, it's just as an exciting field and a lot of fun. Are there things that you think you take from your kind of scientific background to how you help kind of customers or how you think about problems? Absolutely. So from a, obviously coming from the science background, it was very process centric, very data centric. Uh, and we look to where we are today. I mean, big data, the cloud, everything we do is data centric in the technology field. Uh, and more and more of that data is being consumed. You know, back from a science background, you know, it was always the, the testing and the lab process of trying to determine if the data is accurate. Now that data is, you know, you know, crunched, configured, and given in the most common applications that we see today. So it, it gives you insight into understanding how processes really get uh, planned out, uh, how it is contributed and presented to a customer. So it, it does have a backbone in, in the way I look at things. And it's been very helpful to understand how data can be used and utilized across any industry in any field because that data is what brings you the knowledge to do your job and to do it well and to do it safely and to do it efficiently. Yeah. And I, I imagine also that the, the background also plays a little bit into what you talked about, the voice of the customer, right? Is that observational aspect of it too, right? What are those things that you can't see in the data, right? That right. you can only see through field observation, if you will. Um, and I think that's a powerful combination. Combining those two things gives you uh, probably a, a fuller picture of, of really what's happening um, in your organization, in the field, all those things. 
Yeah, it really does. It's, it's the ability to investigate and, and to, to see with the wider lens uh, what is really going on in the workplace and to think it through more than one step down the path. And it, it, it gives you that perspective and it allows you to be consultative. And that's what customers are looking for. They want that consultative advice. Nobody's an expert at everything. Uh, and to be able to look at it from that different lens and to really understand how this can be applied in a versatile manner or how technology can be applied in that versatile manner really is, is impactful. It really helps enable them to make uh, and execute strong decisions with technology to, to be more successful. And I imagine that also starts with challenging assumptions, right? I mean, I think one of the things, you know, you alluded to the fact that, you know, you know, the, the pandemic itself forced companies, you know, to make some radical changes, um, you know, and, and accelerate, I think you said, you know, we, they accelerated, you know, their technology evolution, probably three years in 18 months or whatever it was. Right. But again, I think maybe that's because they hadn't, you know, the pandemic challenged some core assumptions that they had of their business, right. And how they had to operate and how they could operate. And it really kind of, you know, turn that over where all of a sudden now you begin, you have to question everything to a certain degree. Uh, absolutely. I think as, as shaky as the economy has been, it's been really good in some places and not so good in others, but it, it's being able to react and to be sustainable. And I think that is that we've seen that across many organizations where they've really had to react not only to the market, but uh, to industries and pandemics and, and the strong ones survive. And I think they did that through their quick actions to enable technology and to, to bring it to the edge and to the, the frontline workers to make them more impactful. Yeah. So Mike, you're clearly passionate about your job. You clearly love your job, or at least maybe I'm putting your words in your mouth, but you're definitely passionate <laughs> about it. But one thing I love to ask, it's a two-part question that I love to ask someone like yourself, who's been in technology for as long as you have, and you can take these in any order you want, which is what do you love about working in technology and what do you hate about it? <laughs> what do I love? Uh, I can tell you the thing I love most is one day is different from the next. Uh, there is always a new challenge. Uh, there's so many great things you learn speaking to customers and, you know, industries are the same. I think you, you kind of pointed to a couple things about, you know, how there's similarities between how companies operate. You know, if you're a police officer to uh, a, a delivery guy, I mean, there is core components around that technology, but their approach and the direction they take with that technology is entirely different. Uh, and it's that culture, it's that environment. Uh, it's fascinating to listen to, uh, to be a part of an organization uh, that enables their, our customers to be successful it's so much fun. It's fun to see the success and the impacts of technology within that worker's life at the front line, at the edge. So that's what I love the most. Uh, probably the thing I don't like the most uh, is how fast things move, uh, which is a good and bad thing. And we look at technology and where we're always looking over the road uh, and the horizon, um, it moves so fast. And um, Soon as you think you're where you need to be, you're not. <laughs> so that that's the challenge. And uh, if that's the worst thing I have to deal with, then I've got a pretty good job. Yep. Yep. Well, Mike, this has been a, a great 
great discussion. Really have enjoyed speaking with you. I've really enjoyed having you on the program today. And I, I thank you for your time and your, your insights. Um, I know uh, people can find you on LinkedIn uh, if they want to reach out um, and certainly can find more uh, about uh, Panasonic on the website and, and look more into strategic mobility team and the, the tough book um, family of products. So Mike, uh, again, thank you for joining us and um, I'm glad you can share all your thoughts with our audience. Thank you, Gene. Really enjoyed the conversation and uh, was a pleasure. So appreciate the opportunity to talk about Panasonic and the technology that we bring forth. So thank you so much. And for all those listening, I hope you found this conversation as enjoyable as I have. If so, please share and rate the podcast. Five-star ratings help ensure that it gets promoted to other professionals like you that are innovating on the front lines. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful, the mobile digital adoption platform for deskless and frontline workers. You can visit the Skillful website at skillful.com. That's skillful, S-K-Y-L-L-F-U-L.com. And if you or someone you know is out there innovating on the front lines, we'd love to hear about it. Please reach out to me on LinkedIn and share your story. See you on our next episode.